football. You're listening to the 2M Football Show with Mike and Matt. Good morning, 2M Nation. With you here, as always, is your host, Mike. And is there anyone else on the line today? Nope. Okay, Matt's sweet. Matt's not hearing. Now, please leave a message after the postseason. Hey, it's coming up. All right, it's a solo show today. It's okay. We got this. I got enough notes to sit here and read. How weird it. would that be if for some reason we had to shoot a solo episode? That'd be pretty weird. <laughs> Luckily, we've both been able to figure out a time, whether it's in the morning, whether it's in the dead of night. We found a time each week to get together and do this. <laughs> uh, but So far, so good. So far, so good. Yeah, and we're almost there to the end of this our first season. Um, oh, there are, snap. There are now just three games left of the 2020 to 2021 NFL season. That's insane. I still can't get over that. <laughs> and uh, we're back once again. This is the 2M Football Podcast. And today we will be recapping the divisional round of the playoffs, preview the conference championships, and there was a fair bit of off-season news this week, too. If there's, if the Monday after Week 17 is Black Monday for coaches getting fired, I don't know what you would call it for this past weekend because we saw almost as many hirings. Maybe Gold Monday? Okay. Yeah. I'll give you it. That's not, I like it. So uh, how are you doing today, Matt? I am excited. Uh, disappointed at a few of these football games. I was hoping they'd be better concerned about the potential impact for other football games um, and not ready for the season to be over yet. Um, yeah. Given the fact that fantasy hockey is just aggravating and confusing. And I think I cried myself to sleep a few times. <laughs> right. We were going to talk I about have that. no clue what's going on with uh, when Sario was on the pod last week. Cause he, he knows. Well, he's like the fantasy guru in general, but hockey included. And uh, we're in a league together with a couple other people from our, our season-long football league, too. The worst part about it is, is he's like, you guys didn't do too bad. And I'm over here like, I have no clue. No and, and then, of what and I'm then we finished the first week last and second to last in points. Thanks, Surio. <laughs> um, but ironically, did you see we're facing off against each other this week? Yep. Yep. I love it. Should we do a jello event on this? I know it's not football related. I am not near. No, <laughs> not happening. That is you can go eat your jello. Speaking of eating jello, where, where's uh, how's that going for you, Matt? We're still waiting. We're all waiting. The whole nation, the whole nation, <laughs> the whole two M nation. So just me. The whole. I was gonna say the whole three people. <laughs> me and Nick are waiting. Oh, <laughs> my mom. It's happening. <laughs> yeah, nailed it. <laughs> Football. Is that your segue into the recaps? It, it, was, it was trying. Okay, let's talk some football. This isn't a hockey show. For our hockey breakdowns, we refer you to the 2M Hockey Show, which includes Don't. neither of us. I was going to say, which is not. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so let's start in the AFC, where we had the Ravens take on the Bills in a game that was, I think, much more defensive, defensively dominated than we expected. 
I feel like this um, game was just a disappointment. It was, well, and I don't mean that in like a horribly negative way, but I just expected, I did not expect the Ravens to put up only three points. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like we knew the Ravens defense was, was pretty good, uh, but the bills were very impressive. And also I think what impacted the game quite a bit was uh, there was a pretty, pretty steady wind throughout it that resulted in each team, I think missing two field goals and uh, a tougher night to throw the ball than, than usual, maybe. Yeah, Justin Tucker was not singing uh singing after this one. Yeah. It's amazing. Justin Tucker, one of the best in the league. I think they said in the uh broadcast it was his so his first field goal miss, which was the uh would have given the Ravens the first lead of the game. It was still scoreless at this point. Uh his first miss was from 41 yards out. It hit one of the uprights and that was his first miss in the playoffs from 50 yards or closer. Could and have said within would, 50 yards and save well, yourself some words. Whatever. Sorry, Matt. I'm not the wordsmith you are. Well, I'll <laughs> get on my level, scrub. And he would go on to miss a second field goal that he also doinked off an upright, which is pretty amazing. Which I, I feel like that's actually probably much harder to do than getting it inside the post, but he was two for three if you count him the other way. <laughs> But anyway, going back through uh, to the recap, after so Ravens had a chance to get that three nothing lead right on their first drive, but missed the right. field goal. Uh, Bills came back, and they had a, they almost went up uh, by seven. Bills wide receiver Gabriel Davis, who was uh, matched up against Marlon Humphrey uh, out of the slot, who you know we all know is one of the best, most physical corners in the league, uh, but he he actually beat him on the route, but had the touchdown pass go through his hands. Darn Josh Allen and his strong arm. <laughs> uh, but uh, And that resulted in a field goal for the Bills. And, and yeah, going back to what we said at the beginning, I was really impressed by the Bills' defense and how they limited Lamar Jackson, which we'll, we'll get that to. That linebacking core was incredible. Yeah. yeah. The linebackers were great. Uh, they Like we mentioned uh, off the top, Tremaine Edmonds, uh, super fast for a linebacker. He could almost run with Lamar, or at least he could beat him to the corner to the, and not let him. Edge, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I feel like they were using Edmonds as a spy. It seemed like like the whole mm-hmm. game plan was to contain Lamar Jackson and force them to throw the football against their their cover corners. Right. And speaking and of they the did Ravens, exactly that. And speaking of the Ravens throwing the football. Do they do they have the worst group of fast catchers in the league? Do you think? Where where would you rank their receiving core? Marquise Brown can be pretty good. I feel like it may not be the worst, but it's by far the most inconsistent. Sure. Because there have been like like last week's game against the Titans, the Ravens won with Lamar on the ground. Yep. End of story. Yeah. And in this game, you know, with the fact that they had to throw the football, I don't know if it's the Bills. Like, again, I think people sleep on the Bills' defense way too often. Mm-hmm. I still think in terms of defenses, the Bills have the best defense going into the postseason now. I'm more concerned about teams, yeah. Yes, I'm more concerned about the Bills than the Bucks' defense. Yeah. Um, but then again, there's no run game. For, for Baltimore 
even with the running backs, it had to be on Lamar. So basically shutting Lamar not only shuts down the entire rush offense, it allows you to drop more into coverage and blanket the receivers because you don't have to worry about them running the football. Your front right. seven is going to take care of that. So I don't know if it's just the spotlight that made them look as bad as the receiving core or if they are that bad. I just think they're horribly inconsistent. Yeah, well, you've got Marquise Brown who's pretty good, but primarily a deep threat, which in these weather conditions with that wind was was not e- mm-hmm. the easiest conditions to complete deep passes. Um, well, and then you've got the, the zombie corpse of Des Bryant out there. And then a couple yeah, of unproven... Useless. Yeah, yeah, and then a couple unproven uh, young guys. I don't anyway, know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if it was. It could have been wind circumstances, or maybe this receiving core is just garbage, and we just didn't realize it until in this circumstance. But yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So it was three to three at halftime. Justin Tucker finally did make a field goal from 34 yards out that tied the game uh, right before the half. Still anyone's game. Unbelievable that it was that low scoring with these two quarterbacks, the way they've played this year. I will make a note, though, that maybe because of the win, but there were several passes in the first half from Josh Allen that looked like classic Josh Allen, where he was overthrowing the receiver by like eight yards. The old Josh Allen, yeah. (laughs) It's like, dude, come on now. I give you so much credit. Now you're going to do this? Not now. Yeah, uh, they got things going, though, on offense in the second half. Well, maybe that's too bold of a statement to say. But on their first drive of the second half, the Bills marched all the way down the field, uh, and they scored the game's first touchdown on a nice uh, wide receiver screen to Stephon Diggs from four yards out. He got blockers out in front, and he was able to stroll on into the end zone. So that gave them a 10-3 to lead. And then the Ravens looked like they also might have gotten something figured out during the halftime break. Uh, because they looked, they also marched down the field, and they were just about to uh, punch it in for the game tying score. This was gut wrenching watching until, this happen. Until exactly the opposite of that happened, <laughs> and not uh, just an interception, but it was the return for a touchdown. Yep, that was like I felt like that was the point where I was like, "Nope, this is done. This is yeah. this is it." <laughs> All right, because that's basically a fourteen point swing there, right? Instead of the Ravens getting a touchdown. They got nothing, and it was actually the Bills who got a touchdown on the 101-yard uh, touchdown return by Teron Johnson. And I felt like that was even even if the Ravens had been playing aggressively and been you know looking at potentially scoring, that took away not just momentum, but I feel like that just took the belief, belief. out of the team. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that because it, it was such a battle to get to that point of the field and then to have it go that poorly once you get there like it'd been different if it was like a pick he had returned at five yards and then it was just a change of possession but the fact that he kept going and going and going on and it just you could feel just the whole team just go oh (laughs) right and then uh, the final nail in the coffin was when lamar uh, Jackson left the game late in the third quarter uh, with a concussion after he got the a, first of two major quarterbacks. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, rookie Tyler Huntley came in with nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. Uh, I would have to say Lamar Jackson impersonator too. He made some. He made some Lamar Jackson esque moves. Not gonna <laughs> lie. 
Well, he had some opportunities to make plays here too. He overthrew a Hollywood Brown who was wide open on a fourth down that if he hits him, he's gone. And that would have brought them within a touchdown. Right. And then uh, uh rookie running back, JK Dobbins also dropped a touchdown pass on the next drive. He uh, dropped like three passes. Yeah. Yeah. Tough night for the like rookie. Critical, critical passes that were either conversions or would have put him in a better position. So again, bad receivers. <laughs> Even though he's a running back, yeah. So tough, uh, tough loss for the Ravens. They really, yeah. It was, it was over once Lamar left. It was probably over even if he had stayed, though. Once that pick six happened, that was it. That sealed <laughs> the Ravens' fate. Yeah. So seventeen three was the final. Bills move on to the AFC Championship. As I predicted. Yep. As did I. And then the other game in the AFC: Browns and the Chiefs. Oh, uh, this was a good game. This was interesting because CEH didn't play. He was out with a hip injury. Yeah, Sammy thanks Watkins. for reminding me. <laughs> it's okay. Fantasy's over. No, it. it I know. <laughs> Sammy, Wat- Sammy Watkins was also out for this game with a calf injury. So Chiefs offense, a little bit undermanned. Uh, I don't know. I, I wanted to believe that the Browns had a shot. And early on, it looked bad. Uh, the Chiefs went for, for the Browns, that is. The Chiefs got a quick touchdown on their opening drive, a one-yard option run by Mahomes. They missed the extra Which, point, Which, by though. the way, Mahomes wasn't even touched. No. That was, a, that was an excellent play call. Yeah, it was perfect. Um, Browns had a good drive in response. They converted some third downs, uh, and they were getting close until a sack kind of derailed the drive. Luckily, they were able to still get the field goal to make it 6-3. to three. Chiefs took it right back down the field again. Uh, Travis Kelsey this on the receiving end of a touchdown pass. So they went up. By the way, I'm I'm gonna put this out there. If I had to be afraid of one player in the postseason, it would be Travis Kelsey. He's been pretty much on impossible to defend all season long. And then on the next Chiefs drive, I noticed Mahomes, this was prior to the concussion, of course. He was seemed like I think he said he had turf toe. It looked like he was limping around a little bit. Well, so what happened was is he he went he got tackled after a pass and it looked like he banged his foot off the ground which then started him to limp he went back to the to the bench after that possession had his foot worked on but you can tell he wasn't planting it the way he needed to so i thought it was a combination of turf toe or he could have just simply sprained the joint um uh-huh. however it turns out that was going to be the least of our concerns <laughs> right before we get there, though, so Chiefs are up 16-3. to A little bit of controversy before halftime. The Browns were driving, um, about to score. They threw it uh, to a wide-open Richard Higgins from 25 yards out. But just as he was diving for the pylon, uh, Daniel Sorensen, the Chiefs' safety, came in with a big hit. Uh, looked like it was helmet-to-helmet, but that didn't get called. And that's not really the controversy either. The hit knocked. Well, I guess that's part of it. But the, the hit knocked the It's a the two-part ball. thing. Yes. I admit it. So that's one part. That should have definitely been called, and it wasn't, and also not reviewable. So there's nothing they could do about that at that point. But the hit also jarred the ball loose out of Higgins' hands as he was reaching for the end zone or the the goal line. And see this happen at least once a year, I feel like. He fumbled it forward across the goal line and out of bounds, which results in a turnover and a touchback for the Chiefs, for the, uh, the defense. And, I mean, I feel like there's a pretty much a consensus throughout everybody who's a fan of the NFL that this is one of the worst rules. 
but uh, it, and yet it persists every year. I remember one of the analysts for the during the halftime show. I can't remember which one it was. Mentioned that it should be like a twenty yard penalty, but it shouldn't be a change of possession. Right. Yeah. Maybe if you don't. Right. Exactly. So like a touchback, but they they keep it. Yeah. Why that is ruled as a turnover is beyond me. No one recovered it. Well, I feel like Higgins was in a position to where he could have just gotten it to the one yard and maybe not have extended it. Right. Especially knowing he was about to take a hit. I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't know. Everyone wants to score. <laughs> True, but it wound up being because of the rule. Yeah. A lost opportunity versus being down at the one. Uh, right. So I don't know. Yeah. So they but didn't I score. also feel like the Browns in the second half were not very good with their time management. Well, they came back though. So okay, so they did the Browns didn't score there. Chiefs took over and added another field goal before halftime. So it was nineteen to three at the half. It looked like it was pretty much over. At least to me, with the healthy Mahomes. Until dun 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 Until, yeah, on a a hit, a tackle that looked pretty routine. You know, watching it didn't see anything super egregious that happened to him but you know Mahomes head did bang off the turf on a tackle and he left the game in the third quarter with a concussion not just bang off the ground like when you watch the tackle it looked like he landed on his hand and I didn't see anything major but man he was pretty woozy getting up yeah you could tell yeah he didn't look good um so he leaves the game Chad Henney comes in a stud it turns out turns out so the Browns actually scored a couple touchdowns in the second half to uh, Chiefs only managed a field goal once Mahomes went out. So it was 22-17 Kansas City going into the final moments of the fourth quarter. Uh, Henny was actually driving them down the field until Carl Joseph picked him off in the in the Browns end zone uh, about halfway through the fourth quarter. And this ended up being the Browns' final possession. Obviously, we didn't know that at the time. They converted one fourth down uh, on their next drive. But then they had to, let's see. So they lost one timeout challenging, I think, a catch on the, the Which prior Which is time. where I made a comment mm. that um, was going to bite them in the rear in the long run because I don't think that challenge was worth losing that timeout. Mm. And then this one I felt like was just bad. Like this They really should have had something, something planned. Right, because it's fourth and one. You do a QB sneak. And you should have had a plan ready to go if you made it. And then, they, yeah, they were about to get a delay of game penalty right after that. So this is where I mentioned that time management for the Browns I ultimately see. cost them the game. Yeah, yeah, two timeouts essentially wasted. And they and they didn't even uh, – they ended up having to punt on this drive. They punted it back to the Chiefs. I don't – I didn't write down how much time was still left here. About four minutes, I think. So plenty of time for the uh, the Browns' defense to make a stop and get the ball back. And they almost did. Miles Garrett made a huge sack on Chad Henney right before the two-minute warning that, that put them in a third and 14 situation. And somehow they let uh, the Browns defense allowed Henney to scramble, which I didn't even know this guy could walk, let alone, let alone run. Oh, he was a magician on this play. And <laughs> yeah. this play is the one where my jaw hit the floor because I was like, the Browns let this happen. He scrambles 13, like 13 and a half yards, and it turns into fourth and inches. Which, By the is, way, I thought he got it. Yeah. I thought he got the first down, to be completely honest. <laughs> but I'm not a referee, so. So 
fourth and inches. Really interesting decision for Andy Reid. Obviously, with Mahomes in the game, I think it would have been a no-brainer, and maybe it still was. But do you punt it? They're around midfield at this point. Do you, do you punt it and, and trust the defense? Or do you go for the kill? Because the Browns were out of timeouts by this point. I agree with the decision. I love it, yeah. I would always there too. I'm almost always in favor of the aggressive play calling. Um. So they decided to go for it. Not only that, they put Henny in the shotgun and actually threw the ball. I don't know. And and uh, Terry Kill was wide open. I don't know about wide open, but he was open on a on a quick out, and that ended the game. I don't know if the Browns really thought they would, were going to do it because there's so many possibilities, right? Are they going to line up and just try to draw you off sides? I really think they felt like the safest bet would have been to go for the sneak. Hence, you saw the crowdness at the at the line at the point of attack near the center on the guards. Yeah, that's probably. But what I really mm-hmm. think this play was smart to call because nobody was around Hill. Yeah, and it required you know a lot of faith that Henny was going to be able to basically sidearm that ball within a quarter of a second. Right, because if he. Hill, right. Go ahead. I was just going to say, because if that's a lot of trust, like you said, because if he throws an incomplete pass there, that leaves the Browns. You have to, the Browns take over at midfield with a lot of time. And I thought what was clever was if you watched Hill, he had to fight his instinct to run out of bounds (laughs) uh, because he like turned and sat down right like near the edge of the field. And I was like, man, I really think he was like, I got to get out. And he was like, oh, no, don't go out. Don't go out. (laughs) Um, But mad props to uh, Andy Reid for that call. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Sad end to the Browns' uh, magical season, but it's, it's, I have heard calls for Stefanski to be named Coach of the Year. I've heard that he's in the discussion too, which uh, that was actually my pick. I, I think both of our p- predictions are strong contenders for that, with Rivera and Stefanski leading their teams to unexpected playoff berths. Man, if only I made the Browns my sleeper pick, that would have been smart. <laughs> well that requires thinking and logic and prep and when we didn't do that stupid chargers anyway good job proud of you so the, the chiefs win 22 17 and, and the afc championship game will be played between the bills and the chiefs oh, so as we tough. all hoped assuming be so good assuming Mahomes is back well that's just it is my bracket has the chiefs beating the bills which seems like a very distinct possibility until Mahomes' concussion and then it's like well Henny did great yeah in the circumstances against a decent Browns defense but then you have the Bills which I will continue to argue is the more complete defense in the postseason even with Mahomes I had picked the Bills to win uh, and make it to the Super Bowl so it's going to be an interesting situation to watch this week monitoring uh Mahomes' health as, and as he goes through the concussion protocols. So over in the NFC, the first game of the weekend, actually, the Rams played the Packers. This was uh, this was something. It, it was something, yeah, definitely accurate. So Jared Goff got the start of quarterback. John Wolford was still not uh, healthy from his neck injury last week. Uh, also, Cooper Cup was out, which I thought was a big deal for the Rams. I think that had a decent impact. Yeah. I think coming into this game, what I was the most nervous about um, for the Packers was dealing with uh, the the running game and Cam Akers, 
who has been so good uh, at the late stage of the season here. But right. Packers forced a quick three and out, and then they went on a long drive. And we saw we saw both sides of uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling immediately. I don't know what to think of this catch. dude anymore. I he don't know what to am- think of him. <laughs> like I've never seen a, a wide receiver who is incredible and then immediately garbage on literally the next pass. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't understand it. I don't understand it. He made such an amazing fingertip catch early in the drive, and then had a very similar one, maybe even a little bit easier. Uh, go through his hands in the end zone later in the drive. So, like, what do you do if you're Aaron Rodgers in that instance? Like, yeah, like, do, I, do I throw it to him or not? <laughs> like, you know, it's 50 50, but you kind of got to be like, well, he made the last catch, so he's probably not going to make this one. Yeah. <laughs> so, I have to throw it to him on the third one or th- just throw a pass in his direction, get that bad one out of the way, and he'll make the next catch. Right. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so the Packers settled for a field goal on their opening possession, three nothing. Uh, Rams tied it up right away with a field goal of their own. They were all set to go for it on a fourth and one from the Packers 13. They called the timeout to talk about it and then were flagged for a false start. Yeah. I, uh, that that play baffled me. Yeah. You just talked about the play. (laughs) Right. And whoever committed the off the false start, I would have just, I would have beat. I would have pulled them off the field and been like, you are done. (laughs) (laughs) yeah with life it was pretty bad uh pretty bad that but that uh made the decision for them they had to kick the field goal at that point uh so it's three to three packers again went on a long drive which i think another huge factor here was that aaron donald played but he was clearly not 100 percent. he played most of the snaps i think in the first half i don't think he was on the field at all in the second half I think the plan initially was to like to use them in only pass rush situations, kind of like what they were doing towards the end with Miles Garrett with the Browns, mm. um, to try to make them survive the game. But um, I think there comes a point that you have to realize either a it's not working or b let's let's go on the chance you do win the game. You need your player in the championship and potentially the Super Bowl versus wearing them down now. Right. And then you don't have them in the biggest games to play. But he was hurting with those with that rib injury, that's for sure. Definitely, definitely. And as a result, I don't know, I wouldn't put it all on that, I guess. Uh, but I think that definitely played a factor. The Packers were able to run the ball all over this, really, and pass the ball, too. The Rams' defense really let them down here. Aaron Jones, I, had, Aaron Jones had 99 yards and a 7.1 per carry average. I just was baffled by the fact that, you know, it was the biggest matchup considering it was the number one offense versus the number one defense. Yeah. And you're like, this is going to be a good game. And Rodgers and the Green Bay offense just manhandled the Rams defense and made them look like trash. No turnovers, no sacks. Even they never sacked Aaron Rodgers. And I have to say, and, you know, Mike, you and I being fans, Green Bay fans for years. Yeah. When was the last time we got to say, damn, that's a good offensive line. <laughs> like, even without Aaron Donald, look at who they had to play up against. They had to, they had to stop Brockers. Who was right, they saw Brockers and Floyd, who's had a great season on, in his first one in L.A. And they just were like, bring it. We don't care. It was really, it was incredible. <laughs> I was very pleasantly surprised because I was, a lot of people wrote this, wrote this game off as an easy win for the Packers, and I was nervous. 
I got nervous, definitely. <laughs> One of the other key matchups was Jalen Ramsey against Devontae Adams. Arguably the best cornerback in the league versus the best receiver. I and really thought someone would be ejected at some point. Yeah, they were, even pregame, I think, they were chirping at each other. But the Packers found some creative ways to kind of get get Adams away from Ramsey, uh, like on this next drive where uh, it was a one-yard touchdown pass to Adams, but they had him uh, go in motion from one side of the field to the other, and then he was on his way back when they snapped the ball. So Rams got, Ramsey got sort of caught up in the – in the shuffle of players on the defensive backfield and, and Devante got free for the, uh, the touchdown grab. Well, the motion is a big part of the offense this year, but the play action that they've developed with Matt LaFleur, I think has made such an impact and made the run game more of a viable. Cause we haven't had a run game this good in green Bay since what this maybe 2010 Ryan, when we went to the Ryan Super Bowl. Grant, yeah. James Starks. It's been a minute. Don't say Eddie Lacy to me. <laughs> But yeah, and they've got it's a three-headed attack too. We know about Aaron Jones. Uh, Jamal Williams had 12 carries in this game too and averaged over 5 uh, per. And even the rookie AJ Dillon had had six carries too and averaged four and a half yards per. Like carry. Jones is definitely like the number one back, but you can almost argue they run by committee and it works. Yeah. But it's also taken a lot of the pressure that's been on Rodgers for years of Rodgers mm-hmm. having to throw and carry the offense. Yeah, because definitely. now now you can't just blanket receivers and rush with four. You have to be able to anticipate a heavy front end run. You've got Rodgers' ability to extend the plays, and you've got the best wide receiver in the NFL. The other thing, makes, the Packers. Oh, sorry, go ahead. That makes incredible catches. Yeah, and the other thing the Packers have going for them this year that they haven't maybe since their last Super Bowl win is a, a dynamic uh, tight end uh, as a weapon in the passing game. And an unknown name at that point. Right, Robert Tunyon. Uh, I never heard of him before this year. They've tried with big names like Jimmy Graham was here in Green Bay. Um, I don't know why I'm saying here. We're not in Green Bay. Uh, <laughs> We're here in well, Jared Cook, right? Jared Cook spent a season there. And none of those guys really panned out. But this un, relative unknown, Robert Tunyon, has had a huge season. I think he was second on the team in touchdowns behind Devontae Adams. Uh, skipping fast forward a little bit in this game, it was 19-10 to 10 at halftime. Oh, one thing that happened right before the half, Rodgers threw two passes in a row that could have and probably should have been intercepted, but both, uh, uh, both were dropped harmlessly to the turf by Rams defenders. And that's what let them kick a, a field goal right before halftime to extend the lead to 19 to 10. Uh, and then the Packers got the ball first after the half and Aaron jo- first play of the half, Aaron Jones rips off a 60 yard run. And then he, he was the one to punch it in from a yard out a couple plays later. And, and yeah, this is where I noticed too, that uh, Aaron Donald was hardly on the field in the second half. But the Rams came right back. Like I said, they looked pretty good on offense, too. Akers averaged five per carry with a touchdown. And Goff completed uh, 21 out of 27 passes. Pretty short, though. I, I still think his relatively recent thumb injury is, is was affecting him and also the loss of Cooper Cup. But, but they scored a touchdown and got a two-point conversion to make it a seven-point game at 25 to 18. And then... The dagger. The dagger. My prove it player pick. 
Alan Lazard on a, a play action pass, like you mentioned, since the they've been running the King. ball, the Lizard King himself. Uh, they've been running the ball so well. And I think Rodgers is one of the best in the league at, at selling the play fake too. So he, he fakes it to. Well, Jones. the run game definitely helps with that. Yeah, that's true. And uh, Lazard ran right past the corner, got behind the safety, caught a 58 yard bomb and took it to the house. And that was the final score of the game. 32 to 18. Alan Laserman Lazard. <laughs> Looking at the Rams numbers, it's surprising that they scored this low, uh, just 18 points. But I think the Packers defense got stops when they really needed it. They, I uh, mean, it definitely was was a bit more comforting seeing how how they were able to to dam up Acres, given the fact that has always been the the kryptonite of the Green Bay defense, especially the linebacking core is against the run. Right, his longest run of the game was 13 yards, so no, no huge plays allowed. That's something. Um, but that doesn't mean I feel any less comfortable in the Super Bowl, which I'm presuming Green Bay will be going to the Super Bowl. You know, a little spoiler there to your NFC champ pick. <laughs> um, but that's why, you know, my matchup prediction is Green Bay versus Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And that's why I argue Travis Kelsey is the most dangerous player because I feel like Kelsey's ability to break tackles and make defenses look silly does not bode well for the Green Bay linebacking core. I have to agree with you there. (laughs) Um, And I don't know what it is. It's like I feel like they underestimate his size. But, I mean, they did well against Akers, which means they should do well against – here's a segue – against the Bucks (laughs) run game. Okay, um, let's skip to the Bucks game. All right, skip in the Bucks game. Got it. Skip two. <laughs> oh, oh, got it. Okay, yeah, I got you. All right, you know who did skip this game was Taysom Hill. I guess he had better things to do. Just kidding, he was hurt. Uh, Latavius Murray also was unable to I go for the, for the Saints. <laughs> and on the flip side, Ronald Jones did make his return from, I don't remember what the injury was. He's been out for a while, though, for Tampa Bay, and he was back. <laughs> And uh, before this game, there was a lot of buzz that this was that Drew Brees was planning. Yeah, the bees, the hive was in full force. That uh, Drew Brees, this was going to be uh, Drew Brees' final season that he was planning to retire. So some added weight lent to this game. And it started out as sort of expected a, a defensive struggle with the Saints, particularly uh, playing well. The Bucks only had one yard of offense uh, between their first two drives. And the Saints made a big difference on special teams early on. Uh, they set Breeze and the offense up with a few short fields. And they also returned a, a punt for a touchdown that was called back by a penalty. Always, always aggravating. I know. <laughs> That's the... Anytime I see the word flag come across the screen when there's a big run, I go, well, that's a holding call, and that's coming back. I don't. How does it happen on – you know, like seventy-five percent of runbacks, someone. I think. Holds well, I block. think the whole fact is when you see a massive run like that, when you're not expecting it, you're like somebody held. Like they say, they're holding on every play. <laughs> True. It's just a yeah. matter of how obvious you make right. it. Right? Do you get caught? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, someone did, unfortunately, uh, for the Saints. But despite that, they still t- uh, got out to a six-to-three lead. A bunch of field goals all around. And then I've written here, then the mistakes started. 
the way the Saints uh, offense has been, you know, maybe carried by the defense, you could say, they're not putting up the sort of point totals they used to in Breeze's heyday. And so they have to play clean football to win. And that did not happen here. Uh, Breeze's first interception of the night, first of three, I think. Uh, came early on in the second quarter. He was under pressure, uh, trying to find Michael Thomas, uh, who wasn't really ready for the ball. But the Bucks defender, Sean Murphy Bunting, was ready for it, and he came away with the – Oh, he big... undercut that route beautifully. Yeah. And he took it all the way down to the three-yard line where Brady hit Mike Evans on the very next play to put the Bucks up 10-6. to six. Uh, But the Saints did come back with touchdowns on two of their next three drives, uh, spanning uh, into the third quarter. Is that what translates to three a at? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Do not uh, do not read. Uh, I'm trying to think of a clever name for what that language is. Would be that is definitely not wingdings. <laughs> Although it may have been better if that was typed so, like that. So you are fluent in wingdings. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nerdy joke for all of our fans out there. Um, all of our three fans. Right. <laughs> Although we should it should be noted that one of the Saints touchdowns was thrown by Jameis Winston on, on a play that maybe would have been a Taysom Hill play if he had been healthy. And it was I, you know, it like, as much as you give him crap, I feel like that was an impact. Because even the commentators made a comment that there's he may only come out for two or three plays, but they're usually pretty successful plays. Successful for the defense, you mean when he fumbles? Well, successful in the offense when he converts. Oh, okay. No, I, I agree with you. All jokes aside. It, on this play, though, it looked to me exactly like the play the Bears ran against them last week that, that should have worked, except uh, receiver dropped the ball. Uh, Traquan Smith does not drop the ball. And Jameis Winston hit him from uh, with a 56-yard bomb uh, for the, one of their touchdowns. I, I could not I could not bring myself to celebrate that touchdown. <laughs> we'll see. It's going to be interesting what happens with him. Uh, I've heard they would like to bring him back, but it was a one-year deal, and a lot of teams need a quarterback, so we'll see what happens, especially with them. Breeze retiring. Breeze retiring, and Sean Payton has, I think, already declared that Taysom Hill is the guy moving forward, right? I'm pretty sure. I mean, he's been in that offensive system so long. Yeah. And we really got a good taste of what Hill can do due to the fact he, he replaced Breeze when Breeze was out with a rib injury. Right. Yeah, we got and a that really, I example. Think, was the Right. So I really think that gave him a concept because I'm sure if he had played two of those games and clearly was not doing well, I think that final game we would have seen Winston take the starting role. Mm-hmm. But we didn't. Sean Payton decided, you know what, let's do a three-game basically interview yeah, and see what we take away from there. And as much as I like to pick on Jameis Winston, I think it just comes back, come down to the fact of length in the system. Taysom Hill knows the language. He knows the offensive line. He knows the players. Winston's only been there for a year. Yeah. I wonder if he'll be forced to change his his style, though, because, you know, one of Hill's – calling cards that he's a tough runner right like he delivers the, the boom to defenders when he runs as much it. as i don't want to make the comparison it's almost like a lamar jackson cam newton style quarterback i was gonna play. say cam yeah mm-hmm. where and look what I happened to think, cam 
Right. I don't think Sean Payton's, I don't want, I, I'm going to say it, not as careless with his quarterbacks. <laughs> I think he'll have a few designed quarterback runs like that for Hill, but you've got to think of longevity. Why was Breeze healthy for so many years? Because they protected him. And I think as much as Breeze is not a runner and Hill is, they've got to do something to protect Hill. So I think we're going to see him definitely have fewer designed runs, especially yeah. up the gut. And since where, he made the comparison, yeah, Newton let himself get tackled or, or ran it. You know, he, he ran like a bowling ball. But, but Lamar Jackson is much more elusive, and he's better at getting out of bounds and avoiding taking hits like that. So that would be the model. Uh, but anyway, back to this game. Breeze ended up throwing two more interceptions in this game, one of which uh, was off the hands of Jared Cook, who also lost a fumble. Rough night for Jared Cook. And I was all of trying that, to think of a clever joke, and I got nothing. He, no, I, I got nothing too. <laughs> We're not funny. You're supposed to be the funny one, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, well, maybe it was your turn. What are you doing over there? Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so the Saints ended up turning the ball Losing. over four times. Yeah, they lost. The Buccaneers scored the final 17 points of the game all all off of New Orleans turnovers. Uh, so 30-20 to 20 was the final. It really does feel like Breeze is done. There was a, a sad moment for him, watching him walk off the field for the last time where he kind of turned back and took one more look at the, the, the field, the stadium, and everything. I don't know. I've never been a fan, but that, that made me kind of feel, feel for him. I think what was really cool was there was a lot of clips going around after the game of Breeze on the field with his family, and Tom yeah. Brady and his family came down and kind of visited. And I thought what was kind of cool was uh, Tom Brady threw a little touchdown pass to that one of awesome. Breeze's kids. That was such a nice moment, yeah. Um, and it goes to show you, like, I don't hate Tom Brady as a person. I just tired of seeing him winning like many yeah. people. <laughs> right. Um, but it just shows you the respect between these guys and how their careers kind of led to this moment. Like, how many years have we waited for this moment? Yeah. Um, and they haven't I played each other been. very many times before this year, being in opposite conferences. Um, and I did see a funny joke that um, um, was a comparison to Brady versus the Cowboys a number of years in the NFC. And it was Brady one oh. year, one playoff, like – one NFC uh, one championship. AFC championship. Yeah. Dallas, 24 years and zero <laughs> NFC championships. Um, so I thought uh, that was hilarious. So, uh, yeah. Yep. You know what I thought was funny? I thought it was funny in those interactions with the, the kids. It's like, can you imagine how starstruck you or I would be if we met Drew Brees or Tom Brady? It's like these, these kids, it's hilarious. Like these kids don't care that their dads are famous. <laughs> Right. I like how Breeze's kids were both wearing number nine jerseys. I'm like, is he forcing them to like, <laughs> dad, can I get a Michael Thomas jersey? No. <laughs> can I get Tom Brady? No, you stop that right now. Shut your mouth. <laughs> we, we, we don't say that name in this household. Can I get Taysom? I'm going to stop you right there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. So that stage is set. Bucks at Packers and Bills at Chiefs in the championship games. And, uh, both of these are, are doozies. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, so let's preview those games really quick. So Bucks at Packers. Packers will host as the number one seed. And I, I saw this little tidbit. At age 37, Rodgers is going to host his first ever NFC Championship game. 
I guess all the ones he's been in so far have been on the road. And the teams played earlier this season. Uh, the Bucks blew out the Packers in that one, 38 to 10. And uh, let's see. Antonio Brown, early injury news. He, he had a knee injury. He was kind of in and out of that Saints game. He had an MRI, uh, but it confirmed that he he avoided a serious injury. So Antonio Brown might be able, should be able to go, it sounds like. So relatively healthy on both teams going into yeah. this game. Yeah. Um, with the way the Packers handed the number one defense their butts, I am much less scared of the Buccaneers' defense. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I am also much more worried about the Bucks' offense than I was about the Rams, especially down Cooper Cup. It was really just Robert Woods and uh, Well, I would Akers. argue that the run game is where I have it. Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette can be a, a two-headed monster in that backfield, especially with their pass catching. Right. Um, the corners, I feel pretty good with the receivers. Mike Evans is pretty physical. Godwin could be really useful out of the slot in the middle of the field. So um, he could give the linebacking core some trouble. But I think it depends on what the Bucks' passing game is going to be. Is it going to be short chunks, kind of just keep ahead of the chains, or are they going to try for bigger chunks down the field? Yeah, a lot's um, going to come down to the Packers' pass rush. Because if, yeah. if you can make Brady uncomfortable – uh, he's going to struggle, or they'll have to settle for quick, quick routes, and then it'll come down to tackling. Which, again, I don't know how good I feel about that for the Packers. That's why, if I was, if I was the Bucks OC, I'd be looking at that quicker passing game. Yeah, Godwin is great one at that. On one against the uh, against the Green Bay linebackers. Yeah. Hopefully, they're they're not listening. <laughs> These are. I, I'm expecting a high-scoring game here. What about? What I think, think the. I think the opening drives of the teams are going to set the tone. If if Green Bay goes down the field in lightning fashion and scores, and the Bucks, even if they score, if they are slowly methodical, cannot develop a rhythm, are forced into a number of three and medium situations, I think Green Bay's got it in the bag. But if both teams march down the field, that's going to set the precedent for the entire game. I think weather uh, could play a factor, too, for Brady. He's never been the best cold-weather quarterback. Despite, you Why? Know, he, he just, just do what he did against the Raiders and just tuck the football and you win. Are you referencing Deflategate? No, the oh, tuck okay. rule. Oh, the tuck rule. <laughs> okay. You can do that or do what he did against the Colts. Either way. <laughs> um, but yeah, the early line is Packers by three and a half with a projected point total of 51 total between the two teams. So relatively high scoring projection, which I think I agree with. I'm taking the Packers. I have Green Bay. Bills at Chiefs on the AFC side. You could say the buck stops there. Ah, good one. That's going to be the episode title. Nice work. <laughs> Okay, Bills at Chiefs. All right, I'm retiring now. <laughs> we did it. We made a joke. <laughs> you can hang up now. Anyway, um, yeah, Bills at Chiefs in the AFC. The biggest storyline is Mahomes' health, of course, as we already mentioned. He's going to have to make it all the way through the concussion protocol and again be cleared for this game. It is on. Uh, both of the games are on Sunday next week. So, uh, <clears throat> assuming, uh, yeah, I assume he's going to be out there. 
I, I think they'll find a way to magically clear all the protocols just in time. I'm hoping so, because if not, I feel a lot less confident about the Chiefs beating the Bills. Yeah. Yeah, that would be that would be wild. No, no offense to Henny, but against that Bills defense, I'd rather have Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, totally. I'd, I think I'd rather have Patrick Mahomes than uh, just about anyone, except Aaron Rodgers. Hashtag truth. And what a great – I mean, actually, really any combination of these four quarterbacks will be awesome to see in the Super Bowl. You know, I feel like we always are like, this is going to be an incredible high-scoring Super Bowl, and it winds up being something dumb. <laughs> like, but I really think... Like Rams-Patriots like a few years ago? Yeah. Like, I really feel like you said any of these quarterbacks, any combination is going to make for one hell of a Super Bowl. That can be true without it being a high-scoring game. Like, it's all going to come down to, like, many games. One or two deciding plays that that make or break it for a team so we know you're taking the chiefs i'm still sticking with my my pre my bracket pick of the bills all right so that's the championship preview cannot wait and on to some more off-season headlines oh my several, goodness several head coaching hires were made uh this past week i'm so excited starting with the jaguars hiring urban meyer out of retirement so excited Semi-retirement, I guess I should say. So excited. Yeah, I know. I know you are. Uh, of course, Meyer won the national championship in 14, three-time Big Ten champion at Ohio State. And uh, yeah, is this his first time in the NFL? I think so, right? Yes. Very exciting. So excited. Uh, next up for the Jets, they hired uh, former nine, uh, 49ers defensive coordinator Robert Sala as their new head coach. And uh, I just wrote down some of their defensive ranks while he was their coordinator. Uh, They improved every year, starting in 2017 when he first took on the role. They were 24th. 2018, they ranked 13th in total defense, then 2nd in 2019, and then 5th this past year, despite all the injuries and, and COVID issues. I just want to point out, and this is nothing against Robert, but the last time the Jets had a defensive minded head coach. Todd was Bowles. Robert was Todd Bowles. R.I.P. Really? I mean, he's alive, but yeah. Well, he's doing well as the Bucks defensive yeah. coordinator. Yeah. Um, but I wish Robert the best. He has earned the role for a while now. He's you know, it's just too... inheriting a ready for this a storm over there. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, it's too bad they don't have Jamal Adams anymore. That would have made, right? made his job a lot easier. <laughs> well, that's the, the Jets organization. Let your best right. players go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so good for him, though, as you said, getting his first head coaching opportunity. The Falcons hired Arthur Smith. Who Not was sure the, how I feel about this just yet. The Titans we'll see. OC. Yeah, it seems a little, uh, I don't know. They, everyone's after the young guy now. I don't know if he's young, but he hasn't. He doesn't have that much coordinator experience. He's been with Tennessee, or he had been with Tennessee since 2011, starting as a quality control coach. Uh, moved up quickly every year, kind of moved up a title, and he's been the offensive coordinator the past two years, where the Titans have been really good. These have been the Tannehill, of course, who they acquired midway through 2019. They were the 12th ranked offense, and then this year they were the third ranked offense on a yards per 
yards per game basis. So obviously it's been. I mean, having Derrick Henry kind of right. helps you. That, that helps. That really helps. But and he I would goes, have to say Arthur Smith out of these all these coaches may have the best, I want to say overall team that they're being handed. Like I feel like Atlanta's defense just needs some serious coaching. But you can't argue Matt Ryan was fourth overall in passing yards in the league despite having, you know, a a bottom-of-the-barrel record. Yeah, I feel like they're uh, – they have a pretty good team, and they should have had a They're better, better on paper than what their yeah. record shows. Yeah, exactly. They but I think need, it's a different – They just need direction. I think the personnel are a little bit different – or the personnel are set up for a different style of offense than what Tennessee has been doing. So that's the, the interesting part to me is, yeah, obviously Matt Ryan is great still. He's still got it. Uh, Ridley is awesome. <laughs> Julio, when he's out there, still great. They don't really have a running game, though. And they, they're well, not since line. Freeman left. I mean, Gurley's all right, but that's not the type of he's, he's I think not going to anyway. be the running back. Yeah, he's not going to be the running back that this team needs if they're going to rely on a run heavy team. Yeah, so it's interesting. He has his uh, work cut out for him, but like you said, there are a lot of good players there. So, all right, uh, the Chargers made a hire. They are Brandon Staley, formerly of the Rams defensive coordinator, is going to be their new coach. Uh, didn't write down notes about him. Didn't have time to do that research. <laughs> but we know the Rams' defense has been good. Well, and I feel like it makes sense. That offense under un, under uh, Herbert looks great. Yeah. But the problem is is they can't, be, they can't keep themselves in the game, and that's usually because of the defense. Right, and he's he uh, – and the defense has a lot of talent. You know, how many times have we mentioned Derwin James, who didn't play a snap in the regular season this year? Uh, you but, mentioned him a bunch of times. That's true. I don't think you uh, But anyway, they've got him coming <laughs> back, presumably. Uh, you've got Bosa and Alvin Ingram on the line. You know, there's there's uh, talent all around this defense. That maybe, maybe they just need some coaching up, too. So I'm excited for it. And like you said, the offense is already in. It looks like it's in good shape. Uh, let's see. The Lions haven't made a hire yet, but. Now that the Saints season is over, the Lions are expected to hire their assistant head coach, Dan Campbell. Uh, relative unknown, at least to me. We'll do some more research in the offseason. Yeah, yeah. once it happens, I'll, we'll look them up. Uh, the Eagles have narrowed their search to Eric Bieniemy, who is still somehow uh, hasn't... Well, I guess they're still in the playoffs, so maybe he can't be officially hired yet, but... Yeah, uh, they're Josh, still playing. Duh. Josh McDaniels, yeah, for one more week anyway, if I'm correct. Uh, Josh McDaniels, who uh, the Patriots OC always gets head coaching buzz. I don't know if I'd want him after what he did to uh, the Colts the other year, though. True. Appar- apparently I feel the like Eagles... the enemy is the, is a higher profile than Josh McDaniels. Yeah. I, I don't think well, that New going to want to let Daniels go until they get another quarterback. Yeah. Uh, and and the the buzz is that the Eagles are trying to sell these head coach uh, candidates on the job by telling them that Carson Wentz is fixable, which is what you want to hear about the guy that you have like multiple years and thirty million a year invested in. <laughs> yeah, okay. He's he's a project quarterback now. You yeah, top five pick to working <laughs> work in progress did so well. Um, meanwhile, the Texans 
drama continues. Uh, their head coaching vacancy is quickly becoming the least desirable of the list. And Deshaun, and it all centers around the relationship between the uh, ownership and Deshaun Watson, who has, quote, no plans to return to Houston anytime soon or ever. And I knew nothing about this. And apparently he hasn't been answering the team's phone calls this offseason. Or, yeah, since their offseason began. Pretty awkward there. It's definitely... And they just signed him to an extension, too. So they're going to have to either fix the relationship somehow or, or trade him, which is what it sounds like he wants at this point. Well, if you're not answering team's phone calls, then that's usually a uh, a problem. What if they're calling him to tell him he's been traded and he's just not picking up? I'm sure the other team would reach out. <laughs> just saying. Unless it was the Bears. It's like, oh, call from Matt Nagy, decline. Right, because everyone has everyone's phone number in their phone. <laughs> in the fantasy world, that scenario lives in in my head. Yes, they do. <laughs> uh, other news, Ben Roethlisberger said he's going to come back next year. And I uh, threw this last one in there just to aggravate you. Apparently, the Seahawks are talking to Adam Gase about their offensive coordinator vacancy. You know what? As long as he's not a head coach of an entire team, I really don't care. I wonder if his uh, sales pitch looks like, hey, hey, Pete Carroll, I know you want to have the 31st ranked offense in the league? Hit me up. Dude, I really give him six games. If that offense doesn't perform, <laughs> I really don't think Pete Carroll is going to handle that very well. I'll, yeah, I'll do exercise. He, he has done good work, I guess. Long, it's been a while but since the Cutler year, right? Like That's how he he, he parlayed that into like – head coaching jobs all over the league. <laughs> I don't, maybe he's just, he's a lifelong coordinator. Maybe he's just not cut out to run a team. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Seattle's offensive line can't be any worse. So. Right. And uh, yeah, that's it. I think we're about out of time. We'll, we won't be able to talk about our proven players, which is fine. Cause some of them are still out there proving it. Are you proving it? Was this a make or break year for me? I don't know. Yes. No, I don't think so then. Sorry, I let you down. <laughs> well, you know what? It now becomes the M football show. Perfect. I'll send you the audio file after we hang up and you can uh, deal with it. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm sure you could do it. You managed, you edited our YouTube videos for like a year, which has made way more work, I'm sure. Well, yeah, I but I didn't have to go through and find the one one bomb that got dropped that you uh now have to search for <laughs> right do we just leave them in or, or did we control ourselves when we did the, the youtube show i think we i think i just left them in <laughs> i did not care nice i mean i did enough visual problems to deal with <laughs> right and you had to edit the videos that was a joke okay anyway i think that's all the time we got for today uh matt it is nice. all the time we have today been nice talking to you it is always fun. Sadly, we've only got a few more games, and then uh, then it'll be like a week off, maybe. Yeah, I think I think after the Super Bowl, we should take a week off and, and start uh, working on our, our writing chops so we can do all our team's postmortems that you started a few weeks ago. Sure. All right. Thanks for listening. Done. Somebody's the, listening. I wasn't paying attention. Enjoy the games. Go Have Pack fun. Go. Go Pack Go. Let's go Green Bay. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. 
We hope you enjoy listening to this episode of the 2M Football Show with Mike and Matt. Please subscribe to be aware of our future podcasts. Follow us at social media at 2M Football Show. If you feel like donating to help out the show, follow us and check out our Patreon. We'll see you in the next episode.